Well, I am Brother Kevin's son-in-law, and I'm glad to be. It just gets a little awkward when Anna starts introducing me to people as uh, her dad's son-in-law. You know, it's a little awkward, but um, no, I'm grateful to be known as that. Thank you for the time you've allotted me. Find your place in Philippians chapter 3. Brother Ronnie, as you preached, I remember the first time I was exposed to that passage and how I felt that I would never love the Lord as much as someone else because I didn't do such terrible things, right? A bit scared, like I'll never have a testimony. I need to go do something terrible real quick so I can love the Lord better. And uh, you get to thinking, but uh, um, I want to share a little bit this morning about the greatest miracle that takes place in the Christian life. And, um, and I think it, it's really a little, a little um, thread that's been woven throughout every message and throughout everything we've said. It, it's because it's really all about Christ. And that's what I want to look at this morning is how Paul had such a passion. Uh, as Brother Eddie preached about the one passion, about that one desire. Um, Paul had that passion for Christ. And I want to look at uh, just two things um, this morning, and we'll, we'll get into it. Let's read our text. It's Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. It says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, Lord, we thank you for this time and this, this conference, Lord, and all the preachers, Lord, how you've gifted them and you've put a word in their hearts, Lord. And we thank you for, God, just how they've shared, with it, uh, shared that with us and, Father, how it's affected us and stirred us. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we give you all the honor and glory and we ask you for help now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is the greatest miracle in the Christian life because of what he does on the inside of our heart. Um, we speak of, uh, of that woman having such um, love for the Lord because she had been forgiven for so much sin. And I speak of how I grew up in church and I was toted to church and I've always been here and I haven't got out in the world too far and I wanted to have a passion for the Lord. Is that not our desire to have a passion and a desire and to be stirred for the Lord? And that's the greatest miracle. That He could take a sinner's heart, a, a spring of wickedness. If you see a spring and it's just constantly flowing up fresh water. That's our heart, just producing sin after sin. Wicked thought after wicked thought. Producing evil after evil. God could change that into something desiring to be holy. What a miracle that is. He did that for Paul. He can do it for you. I think the problem is not that you have to do much wicked in the world's eyes. You just have to recognize how wicked what you have done in God's eyes. And then you can love Him much. Then you can recognize how good He's been to you. He's just got to stir it up in you. you got to search your own heart. I'm so thankful he did it for me. Joel Beakey said that it was not personal advancement, but it was gospel advancement that fueled the apostles' joy. 
he could rejoice in the ministries of those who were against him so as long as they were for Christ. Yeah. <laughs> we know that because in verse uh, chapter 1, he says, the things which happened to me turned up for the furtherance of the gospel. Yeah. Don't worry, it's okay. And then later he would tell them in verse 18, whether in pretense or in truth, whether they're doing it for show or whether they're doing it out of sincerity of their hearts, whether they're adding affliction to my bonds, whether they, they suppose they desire to see me afflicted, I'll rejoice. I'll rejoice because Christ is preached. Because Christ goes forth. Only, only a focus on Christ can produce something such as that. I just want to take a moment and look at what works and what don't work. That's pretty simple, right? It was Paul's passion. He, had, he wanted to win Christ. First, we must consider that what, will, what didn't work, he tells us in the text, it's in verses 5 and 6, is it not? He had trusted his birth. He trusted the works of the flesh, the works of the law, a law-based obedience to earn him a righteousness. He was working for it. He was trying to please God, to satisfy God, that when God would look on him, he would be pleased with Saul of Tarsus, the Pharisee. How funny that someone would boast of being a Pharisee and we look at them and mock people for being a Pharisee, the hypocrites. And yet he boasted of, look what I have done. I, look what I was. And he considers it all a loss. But we need to, uh, we'll first consider, he tells us in the text that he speaks of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. What type of knowledge are we discussing here? John 17, 3 would tell us. He says, this is life eternal. To know thee, the only true God. It's life eternal. It's salvation. This is it. To just know Him. So what kind of knowledge do you have to have? Is it knowledge about Him? Or is it an intimate knowledge of Him? Or we could say it in a different light and say, it's, it's Him knowing you. Remember, He says, depart from me, I never knew you. He didn't know you in a personal way, in an intimate way. And that must be there. This intimate, this knowledge of God. Knowledge of God is what sets us apart. It's our knowledge of the holy. It's our knowledge of this triune God that makes us any different than anyone else. It's nothing of ourselves. It's not the works of our flesh. It's not because we attend church. It's because we know Him. We have experienced His grace and His love. He's, he's spread it abroad in our hearts. We know Him. We've come in contact with Him. Peter learned this in Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus said, Whom say ye that I am? Who do you say that I am? And he said, thou art the Christ. He said, you're right. But flesh and blood didn't show you that. It was the Father in heaven. This knowledge we're talking about can't be searched out. That's why Paul said, it's the unsearchable riches of Christ. 
This knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's like a treasure chest in heaven whom the Father guards and protects and you can't go get it on your own. You've got to come through the Lord Jesus Christ. And He, that's what makes Him so beautiful, is that He would come and live a perfect life and die for our sins, take our place, and let us know Him. Just let us get to know Him. Saul was trying to earn his righteousness through the law. And he finally gets to the place where he considers it. He counts it. He says to himself, this is all worthless in this endeavor. Once he met the Lord on the Damascus road, he realizes none of this stuff can help me know Christ. He's saying this and speaking this as a saved man. He's looking back considering nothing in the flesh can help me. Nothing. I must do this by faith. He considers what doesn't work and it's the works of the flesh. He counts all things but loss. Not only that, he would go on further to say he suffered. One, he says, I consider in my mind, this doesn't help me win Christ. Then he says, I've suffered the loss of all things. That's an experiential word. He has suffered and he has experienced the loss. But in trying to win Christ, he has suffered the loss of all things. But he wants to win Christ. This is what Jonathan Edwards would call religious affections. Or what John Owen would call spiritual affections. It's that desire of the heart to be motivated and turned towards the Most High God. And to desire Him and to want to know Him and please Him. To be drawn in His direction. This is what we want. I would say what does work, secondly. And it's Scripture. It's real simple. It's Scripture is our key. For believers to build this desire for Christ. If you haven't been out in the world and it didn't just get produced overwhelmingly and you didn't have that experience, how can you grow the desire in your heart for Christ? It's through the Word of God. It feeds the soul. And if you don't feed the soul, Peter tells us in his uh, first chapter of 2 Peter that you'll become forgotten, that your sins have been purged and forgiven. If you don't grow, the lack of growth in your life, well, can, you'll get to the place where you've forgotten everything that happened. You must be in the Scripture. The category of revelation in systematic theology deals with the divine reeling of God to man. You can't go and search these things out. He has to reveal them to you. It's the digestion of all, not one book, you can't, Learn the whole counsel of God through one part of Scripture. It's all sprinkled throughout the whole book. You've got to study and consume the whole thing if you want to know the whole Lord. If you want to know Him completely, you've got to consume His Word completely. It's the Word that will take us there. Blessed is He who meditates upon the law both day and night. And then what happens? Because then He also has a delight in the Lord. His soul is delighted in Him, but not until He meditates upon Him. Not until He considers Him. Not until He puts His mind at work to study and to know Him. To draw nigh unto Him that He might draw nigh back to you. 
I like to think that as you take a little step, he takes big steps. I just imagine his feet being bigger than ours, right? But this excellency, he says the excellency of the knowledge of our Lord, that excellency is superior. It's far superior than the works of flesh, and it is. It is that which fills all in all. But you can listen to the language throughout these verses and see that he says, that I may win Christ and be found in Him, that I may know Him, the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, that I may experience it, that it may be genuine from my mind to my heart to my hands and my feet, that I might feel it coursing through my veins, that I might be affected for Christ, that I might be changed and renewed, that I might be moved by Him. That's the greatest longing it should be of all of our hearts, that we may win Christ, that we may know Him, and along the way we may suffer the loss of all things in this life. I'm trying to move through these notes. I simply just want to challenge you. And I'm thankful even now it's by faith. It's by the, not the righteousness of the law, not our own righteousness. And Paul would confess in verse 9, he says, not having mine own righteousness. He realized he didn't have any. We have to realize we don't have any. But he would say, by the righteousness which is of God by faith. I'm standing here right now. You may not sing, but I'm standing on his shoulders. I'm thankful when I'm terrified to come up here. And then you get here and He meets you right here. How many times does He do that for us? And it's so delightful to know that He'll meet you there. And it's just another way in which He just stirs you just to loving Him and to wanting Him and to desiring Him. The only method which we can use that will work for us to know Christ, to win Christ, to experience this passionate desire is that we consume His Word. We have to. We have to consume His Word. This is the only way that we may know Him, that we may produce this passionate desire within our hearts for Him. I would simply just challenge you to, by literature, by anything on the attributes of God, that's been my greatest subject to go to these days is study the character and attributes of God. The more that you know Him, the more you'll fall in love with Him. He's glorious. He's beautiful. He's majestic. He's amazing. He's gracious. There's so many things about Him that we can study. And the more we intake it, the more we'll feel it. The more we'll experience it. I just want to challenge you to get to know Him that you might love Him more liberally, you might serve Him more joyfully, and you might worship Him more fully. And that's all I'll say.